Hi, I'm Matt Sells. When I'm not stopping balls, I'm listening to Le Bouge. Here's Neymar now. Cavani is there. Balotelli on the turn. Quality. Kalufa Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobak. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome along to Le Bouge podcast. Coming up, Lyon pile the misery on Marseille and take a big step towards Champions League qualification. Neymar bows out with a flourish. Gangon go down and uh, Ligue 2 beckons as well for Monaco after their latest defeat. We've got an interview coming up with the Strasbourg goalkeeper Matt Sels and we've got a, a super panel as ever this morning. Welcome along to a debutant. And uh, the first Frenchman, actually, on Le Beaujeu podcast, Julien Brun. Hello, and thanks for welcoming me, despite my terrible French accent. He's got a pleasure a, to have. He's got a great French accent, <laughs> and it's great to have the man that we call Julien Brown, but his name officially is <laughs> Julien Brun. Um, we've got a Frenchman, an Englishman, myself. We've got an Australian, Robbie Thompson. Hello, everyone. Pleasure to be here, as always. And we've got a Scot named Andy Scott. How are you doing, Matt? I'm very well. So hopefully you can cope with all the accents. And uh, if worse comes to worse, you'll understand me. And that's the main thing, probably. So, <laughs> so let's, let's move on. Now, we're going to start, as we often do, with the big Sunday night game. Um, two of France's biggest teams going head to head. Slightly strange atmosphere because often Marseille versus Lyon is a top of the table clash. It wasn't especially that. Um, on Sunday night, but Armel Tangi was there at the velodrome, and this is what happened. Maxwell Cornet has it, bearing down on goal, and Cornet's opened the scoring. Silence around the velodrome. Dembele bearing down on Mondonda's goal here. Luis Gustavo in the way, but unable to stop Dembele. And Alwar has spotted Cornet. Are Leon about to make it three here? Gustavo closing down, but Cornet finishes. And this is turning into a rout. So a 3-0 victory for Leon, a comprehensive win in the end. Chaleta Saar was, uh, was sent off for Marseille at 1-0 and uh, it all went a little bit wrong. I know we've got plenty of Marseille and uh, Leon supporters out there around the world. Don't hesitate to get in uh, contact. We've got an email address. You can ask us questions, leaguearmpodcast at gmail.com. And please do uh, uh, give us a, a rating when you do listen to our, our podcast. Please be not, well, you, could, you can give us an honest rating. We're on Spotify, we're on, we're on Deezer, we're on iTunes. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, with Julien Brun and uh, hear Julien's view about this. It was obviously an, an important victory for Leon and uh, perhaps a, a result that kind of sums up Marseille's very poor season. That's the least you can say, of, obviously, because all Marseille season was uh, quite painful in terms of results, in terms of the way they play, in terms also on the way the supporters behave compared to what they can do with the, with the coach and so on. And um, one thing in, is quite sad for Marseille is uh, the fact that they really had big hopes before this season, before the season before. And uh, right now, I think they might be quite sad because not only in the Ligue 1, but also in the French Cup, in the European Cup, the results were really poor. They're terrible. And can you understand the, the, the fan behaviour? We saw 
thousands of fans leaving at 2-0. At, at the ones that stayed behind, particularly behind the goal, they were holding up banners. It was all quite, quite comical. But do, do you understand this, this anger? I can understand the frustration, of course. Uh, the thing is, you can't really understand and cope with the violence that was sometimes in the, in the stands. But um, compared to what they were hoping with the Champions Project, the so-called Champions Project, of course, the fans can be quite disappointed. And it's not only a question of results, it's also the way they play, the way the team was not, um, I, I can't say focused, but it seems like there was no general idea of what the team could mm. do this season. The, mm. the plans were changed all the times. The, the players were changed all the times as we saw, well. We saw the stat last, last week when it was 40 different starting 11s in 43 matches from, from Rudy Garcia. There's, there's been no consistency in their game plan. And it's not only a question of injured players. It's also no, it's because they can't choices. find the right way to play. Garcia but has that looked, he's is, looked lost, hasn't he, for a long time? For, for, several months Garcia he doesn't seem to know well, which, exactly. which team to pick and to be honest I looked at the starting 11 yesterday and we know that Balotelli's been out of form in, in the last few weeks they had a front three of a Campos uh, I think on the left Radonjic on the right who just has produced nothing since, since since he joined Balotelli through the middle walking through the game as he you know as he often does let's, he, let's like face a nice it player they were never Andy they were never going to hurt Leon last night were no, they? no not at all the, the um the sort of contrast with 12 months ago is pretty stark, isn't it? Because obviously they got to the, the Europa League final a year ago and we have we had this game on Sunday coming just a few days after we saw the other European semi-finals, a reminder of where Marseille were and they really have gone um, so far backwards this year and it was just, again, the contrast with the vibrant youth of the Lyon team. I know that Lyon have had a difficult time in the last few weeks and with so many young players, you get that inconsistency but they they have all these younger players compared to Marseille's uh, sort of rabble of older players who, who many of whom need to be moved on this summer and even some of the younger players who they have had coming through Bubakar Kamara obviously somebody with a big future ahead of him but had a bad night last night at fault um, certainly for one of the goals late on and, and also for the first goal too so just a disastrous night all round I think I've, I've actually I felt that the atmosphere wasn't quite as um, poisonous maybe as it has been in previous games yeah. between Marseille and Lyon but again that's maybe indicative of the, the sense of resignation around the club and around the supporters at this end of the season. It's, it's one defeat uh, for Lyon against Marseille in their last 18. They, they haven't beaten Marseille I think since 2014 and 10 games in a row. 10 games in a row and I mean if, the thing is as well I think Andy's got, got a point there because Lyon's season uh, I think has been, has been disappointing. They're third but you look at the quality they've got, and I mean, they're, they're, there's no, there's no contest between that Marseille squad, that Marseille team, and that and that Lyon team. And we saw it, we saw it last night. Even though Lyon are, are not informed, they just had too much for Marseille. Yeah, and especially you were talking about the the front three boys, but if you talk about the two defensive midfielders and the two central defenders, it's just as if they were all slow yesterday night. And when you play against a fast team like yeah. Lyon can be, it was really a nightmare for them. When you see Strotman, Luis Gustavo, Chaletatsa and Camara, four of them can be or have been or will be good players, even if not very good players. But all together, it seems like you have like a, a square where you know that if you run quite fast, you will beat them and you will be faster than them. And it's really something that you can re be scared of. If you play against a slower team, it's okay. But with a fast team like Lyon can be, 
maybe Lyon is not the best uh, the best team that can be, but when they play counter attacks and things like that, mm. you know they are really fast. And when you have those four in front of Mandanda, you can be scared before the game. Yeah. Coaches, I mean, coaches say it all the time. It's about finding the right balance and and trying to. And that's clearly what Rudy Garcia has been trying to do. And Julian just said it before. He hasn't found. He's been mixing and tinkering and trying to change things and look for that elusive balance. And coaches say, look, it's all about a balance between left and right, attack, defense, all these things. And everyone says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone forgets it. But it is. And finding that balance is so crucial. He you has cannot to, hope he, for anything if your he team has to take the blame though, Robbie, because by by all accounts, he is the man calling the shots in the transfer window. We've got Zubi Zareta work, working as Absolutely. a sporting director. But like I say, according to all the reports we're hearing, Garcia gets the final say on transfers. He knew Kevin Strotman well because he, he worked with him in, in Roma. He's probably been the flop of the season. When you consider the money he's cost Marseille in the transfer fee and 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 in the wages, we talked about Radonjic. Yes, Cheletasar has come on a little bit. But Strotman never wanted to leave Roma. He's sold against his wishes. He sends a, writes a big letter to the Roma fans saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry this was never meant to happen. He ends up in Marseille, which is a... Different environment completely for him. He has to adapt. Radonjic, I think, doesn't look like the worst player in history. He's very, very quick. He's obviously technical, but it's his first time. He's young. It's his first time out of Serbia. And, you know, give him a chance. These players take time to adapt. And everyone, everything needs to happen so quickly, so immediately. Strotman, yes, yeah, he's but a very Robert, experienced He's looking player. like he'd struggle he's in the Australian player. league at yeah. the moment, what I've, what I've seen from him. I mean, you're being very nice. But we so sometimes well, sometimes okay, we're a bit well cruel, I'm ready, just about ready for a good girl, Matt, against you because I've had it just about. <laughs> and to the good girl's not going to be against me. That's not the point. Sorry, it's Andy. about that I'm in between you two guys and trying to calm things down here, me and Julian. But I mean, we we are sometimes a bit cruel towards players that we see them perform in one game. And we make judgments, and maybe it's a bit unfair. But Radonjic, uh, one game that I commentated when Marseille played at Bordeaux recently, he was it was about the worst individual performance that I've seen from a player in Ligue 1 this season. And again, that might sound harsh, but it's just... Yes, the, but Marcus Kocko last yesterday for, for Gangon had a complete nightmare. And he's a France under-21 international. He's physical, a, a great athlete, and just a disastrous match. Well, players have bad games, but unfortunately, when you, when you invest the money that Marseille have invested in experienced players, you, you expect immediate results. And when you don't get them... It's, it, you have a big problem because there's, there's no real sell-on value for somebody like Kevin Strootman. You're going to lose a lot of money when it comes to moving him on. And, uh, the, you know, they haven't invested in youth. They now need to rebuild again. And this idea of a champion's project, it's, it's not really a project in the sense that they're not well, building year by year. They've gone backwards by such a long distance in the space yeah, of 12 months. Yeah, and the months. thing is, they've come in and they've talked a big game, haven't they? Since Frank McCourt, the American owner, came in... Uh, uh, Ero, the the president, gave his first speech. I think with a with the Champions League trophy, he managed to get to, to get hold of that and talk to the players and said, "Guys, this is this is where we're going." And uh, actually, no, they're going to be out of Europe next season. Third time in six years, the Marseille have been out of Europe, and that's not good enough for a, for a club like OM. No, sure, but it's quite easy for us to say that now because when they arrived and they had a team to rebuild, they really needed to have immediate results. And to do that, you had to have some players that have experience, that know the league quite well, and that can be able to have good results right now. The problem is that it, it, it didn't work. And now it's like a vicious circle because those players, they lost their value. They lost also the, the mentality, maybe. And now you know that you can't 
built your team on them, but they are still there with big contracts, big wages. But it's almost it's almost a vicious circle Marseille have been in since 1993. Like it feels. It feels well, like very been champions know, since the, they since have the, been champions once since yeah. then, but but it feels like this club is permanently in crisis and nobody has found a way of you know building a, a, a legacy. There have there have been some quite good seasons with Gerets first and with Deschamps. Uh, and the, then the euphoria around those couple yeah. of seasons with with Eric Gerets and, and Deschamps when they when they were champions, but it seems like it's all or nothing. Yeah. With Marseille, it really is over it the has top always been. enthusiasm and euphoria, or just over the top, complete despair. Like, that, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, well that's the case at a lot of clubs, isn't it? But Marseille and well, France, more and especially. More I'm getting the feeling, Andy, as well. There's, there yeah. seems to be very little people able to look at things, take a step back, and look at a situation clearly and just say, look, this is a plan we have building for the future, or this is the situation we're in. We have to turn things around slowly, not just. All go charging Robbie, in one direction, then all I go think, charging in the other direction. I think direction. you're playing into Julian Brown's good girl for this week <laughs> because our good girl is our rant. We like to have, uh, you know, get something off our chest this morning. And Julian came in um, with, uh, yeah, something on his chest that, he, that he's keen to get off. So let, let, let's hear this week's good girl. Oh, merde. Quelle bande de chèvres. C'est mon coup de gueule. Yes, I have to say that I am a bit sad today and uh, this season because it seems like no one's really happy of its uh, of of their uh, team's season. If you're a supporter of Paris, you're sad because you didn't make the double, you lost in the Champions League, and even if you're champion, you can't be happy. If you're a Lyon supporter, you're not happy the way your team play, you're not happy about your coach, even if you will probably finish on the podium. If you are Marseille fa fan, you're not happy because you will not play Europe next season. I mean, the problem is that it seems like most of the fans now just can't stand that the results get their way. It seems yeah. like w when you start a season, you know that n there will be one champion, there will be one winner of the Champions League, there will be three teams that could go to the league the, the season after. And it seems like, like no one can stand that anymore. But and Julian, is this is this a French thing? Because I get the metro in the morning in Paris, and nobody's happy on on the metro. No, but I mean the <laughs> thing is, uh, uh, football is the one of the most exciting thing in the world for in my in my opinion. But still, you have to get some steps backward to think about what it is, and that you have to like or love football for good reasons. If you want to be angry. Be angry at really important things in your life if you have problems with your family, with political issues and so on. But if you're in football and you're there only to have negative emotions, it seems like a waste I wonder, of time. Because I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm from England. I'm thinking about the equivalent and I get the feeling that it's the same in England. Almost. Maybe. The Liverpool have got 97 points, but they're not happy. They could lose the Champions League final. They could finish. They could finish with nothing. Obviously, Manchester United are unhappy. Arsenal are unhappy because they're out. They're at the top four. Chelsea are fourth, but they're still unhappy. But you Tottenham, can be Tottenham are just about happy. Let's yeah. say that they're <laughs> they're like the Saint Etienne or something. I mean, I, I I think this is. I get your point, but I think the the celebrations in Lille yesterday when they secured second place would indicate that they're quite happy. Yeah, but think, there are uh, two or three teams happy. Yeah, of course, but f football fans are, are condemned to forever be slightly dissatisfied. That you but, you never have enough. Andy, Dis dissatisfied Andy. and angry are two different things. I think maybe they're trying too hard to be that unhappy. They can be disappointed, of course. I can be disappointed with a bad result, but still, 
You Julian, have to think that you will play the, the Julian, league. You were, you were in Rennes yesterday for the yes, game against yeah. Gangon. The Rennes fans, they must be pretty happy. I know they've not won in nine games and Hatem Ben Arfa was complaining after the game yesterday, but they've won the cup. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. They won the cup for the first time in and, 48 years. And I think they should be happy no matter what, whatever yeah. happens. But still, there were some booing when Ben Arfa left the pitch because he had a bad game. But everyone knows that Ben Arfa's season is over anyway. He will leave next season. They won the French Cup. Who really cares about tonight's game? And it's, it's just like as if you were forgetting what happened, what good things happened. And you just think about the last game. You have to have a general view of the season. Even if the, Par the Paris fans, I can understand the, their disappointment about the fact that, that they lost in the Champions League this way against Manchester United. But still, saying that you can't be happy that you win the league is quite ununderstandable. And the point, the, the point I was making, which, uh, which I think is a very good point, um, <laughs> last week, in France as well, you've got two automatic Champions League places only, yeah. usually. Um, PSG are going to have one of them. So you've got, you know, Marseille, Lyon, uh, depending on who else is having a good season, whether it's Lille or, 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 or Monaco, there are going to be more teams unhappy than, than happy because that's almost minimum expectations for Marseille and Lyon to be in the Champions League. And yet only one of them will get that automatic Champions League qualification. And in this season, none of them will because Lille, Lille have been so good. Uh, just, just to finish, that was a, that was a, a good first attempt at a good girl. Well done. <laughs> I almost want to clap. Um, but uh, I'm not going to because that would be very condescending. Robbie... Leon, let's just 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 finish because we've talked a lot about Marseille. Leon, you know they've 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 almost done it now. They've almost secured third. They're four points ahead of Saint Etienne with two games to go. Um, we talked about them having too much quality um, for for Marseille last night. An unlikely hero in many ways, Maxwell Cornet, who 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 scored two goals. This is a guy who's been um, on the fringes for most of the season, but clearly the, he's got quality. Showed it against Manchester City, of course, scoring three goals. In two games against them, two goals away to Marseille is a big achievement as well. And uh, yeah, Cornet. He's, a, he's a strange character, Maxwell Cornet, because he signed from from Mess, mm -hmm. I think it was, and were they in the second division at the time? He cost a he cost a fair bit of money. Yeah. He was a young player, and then they never really played him at first. That first season, he didn't play much, and there was a, a lot of expectation amongst the supporters. It was probably around the same time that they they'd sold Anthony Martial, I think, as well to Monaco. Which yeah. so maybe there was this exchange where the fans were disappointed to have seen Anthony Martial leave in comes this player to replace him and so they want fair exchange and probably they didn't get it when you look at the two players like that Martial against Corne but then he played a couple of matches didn't perform and the fans just turned on him and it was really like he yeah. was he was really signaled out by the boo boys he was worse treatment for him than Bruno Genesio I he looked, he looked raw. Back. He looked raw, didn't he? But it's very hard on a on a young player. And now Absolutely. we're seeing that actually, you know, well, he, he's, he does he's have done some things that that he's scored important goals in important matches. And sometimes he comes back, and the fans applaud him. And he gives the interview at the end of the match, saying, "Yes, I've had some hard times, but that was great that the fans applaud me." And the next game, he he hits a cross to the to the third post and gone out, and all the boos start coming again. Is it's it's just one of those players, I think, that the fans don't like, and maybe he should. Change club for I think his he probably own will. best I think, interest. I think I think, I think he probably will. And I, fresh, Andy, fresh you start. you follow Scottish football very closely, um, of course, as a sort of you know obligation, a, a, a duty as a yeah. Scottish person. You know Moussa Dembele very well. I have to admit, I I I can't really understand anymore why Bruno Genesio is leaving him on the bench. He came on last night and just 
so dangerous, so clinical, scored the goal. He's playing Memphis. Well, last night was Memphis Depay as the, as the centre forward, but surely Dembele, he's, you know, he's got to make that position his own now. Yeah, I mean, I actually think, I have to look at the numbers from last season, but I feel like Moussa Dembele has become more of an out-and-out goal scorer with Lyon than he almost was at Celtic previously. I don't think he scored that many league goals for Celtic last season anyway. Um, he's become this out-and-out centre-forward, and maybe he was more involved in, in building up the play with Celtic as well. He's been, um, if not a revelation, he's been a very impressive signing, and his, his development as a player, can, he just gets better and better. Um, maybe he lacks the consistency, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's certainly one who's, who's, who's going to continue to be very important for Lyon next season and beyond. Lyon uh, are now six points. So that I said they're four ahead of Saint-Étienne. They're six points behind Lille with uh, an inferior goal difference. Uh, Julien, I know you have a soft spot for, for Lille. They're, they're, let's face it, certain now to, to finish second. They're at home to Angers and then away to Rennes. And as long as they don't capitulate, I mean, that's, that's some achievement for them. Is this, is this the start of something exciting well it might be of course but you you don't really know how it will happen with this club when you see where they were last season at the exact same point they were just over the relegation zone so one year after they're doing that but the thing is we have to understand that it will be hard for them to achieve several these seasons this way because the project the team project the club's project is not to keep those good players like Pepe or Thiago Mendes or, or players like that, but is to sell them, to buy other players and to try to make them as performant as these ones were. And Julien, you've seen uh, the great Lille players uh, of, uh, let's say, the modern uh, history yeah. from, from Bruno Cheru through to, <laughs> to Eden Hazard. I know you're laughing because Bruno's your friend, but he was a... He was a top... I was a big fan of him. Yeah, Bruno Cheru was a, was a top player for Lille. Yeah. Um, Eden Hazard... Uh, Jorginho, um, how good is Nicola Pepe? Where's he gonna Where's he gonna go? You got any Got any inside information for us? Well, we know that there has been some offers for him. There were there was there's a real interest from Inter Milan. There has been some contacts, not not offers, but contacts with Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich. Uh, I think I've heard some PSG rumors for last winter as well. Um, obviously, he has. The kind of role that makes him uh, quite interesting for almost any team in the in in the European football. To be fair, I, I didn't expect him to be that good, uh, but these last two seasons he showed in the French league that he has the potential to play in a good team, in a very good team, top team like uh, we can say Chelsea or Bayern Munich or even PSG for for example. Yeah. Uh, he improved in several ways. He's, he's uh, more clever in the way he plays with others. He's more clinical as a, not a center forward, but uh, as, a, as a forward player. And uh, I don't know if he's as strong as Hazard, but since Hazard, there has, no, there has not been any players of that level in Lille. For sure. For so, what, sure. so what you're saying, Julian, is he's probably signing for Arsenal this uh, this summer. Is that right? It would be good for you, of course, <laughs> and especially for the Europa League next season. Um, I didn't mention <laughs> it, but Lille won, by the way, uh, yesterday. 1-0 uh, against Bordeaux. Loic Remy scored from a what was a brilliant free kick. Uh, Icone, Icone. Um, just dinking it over the wall. Delightful touch and, and Remy volleying it in. And there were, there were some wonderful scenes afterwards. Christophe Galtier got absolutely drenched. Uh, by the players in his press conference. Well done to Lille. 
nobody expected them to come second. Everybody expected Paris Saint-Germain to come first. They have come first and they even won a game because they've been struggling to, uh, to win their matches since they clinched the league title. But Andy Scott saw the action uh, between Angers and Paris Saint-Germain. Swung into the uh, edge of the six-yard box and Neymar heads it in. There is the opening goal. And it's the Brazilian who gets it on his farewell appearance for the season. Neymar, away from Monceau, holds up the cross. Di Maria, easy does it. Another headed goal. Ankel Di Maria from the Neymar assist. It's the 100th goal of the season in Ligue 1 for the champions. Well, Andy, Neymar did the, uh, did the business. He's going to be suspended now. So that was effectively his last performance, his last game of the season. He scored and he provided an assist. Only five players have achieved that six times this season in Europe's big five leagues. Did you follow that? Niche. Yeah. So um, Nicola Pepe has, has done it. A goal, at least a goal and an assist in a game six times. Um, Lionel Messi has done it. Um, and... Uh, and our friend Neymar has done it. How good was he uh, at the weekend? And uh, do you do, do you see Neymar focused? Do you see Neymar looking to to kick on now? I know his his first two seasons have been badly hampered by by an injury. Yeah. But is the you know is next year going to be Neymar's year? Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, obviously the 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 two seasons that he's had in Paris have been underwhelming to a large extent because of injury. So you never know what's going to happen. But I was very impressed by him at the weekend. I thought he looked. Really on his game, you saw that towards the end of the game when they conceded a penalty and Marquinhos was sent off and he was furious, he was raging with the officials about the decision. I thought he looked really kind of implicated, like he was wanting to be, if not a leader as such, uh, in, in terms of uh, the, the squad. In, t in a technical sense, he looked like obviously the leader on the field, Mbappe wasn't there. He was the guy who, who got the opening goal with a header, no less, his first headed goal in Ligue 1. Um, brilliant assist for the second goal. I thought he looked in the mood. I thought he looked like the the Neymar that uh, Paris Saint-Germain supporters probably hoped to see when uh, when they bought him in the first place. Far away from this idea of a guy whose head is not in it at all, who wants to get back to Brazil as soon as possible. Obviously, it's his last game of the season, so he probably felt that he had to make a big impact and he'll be off to the Copa America. And hopefully, from a, a Paris uh, point of view, he'll come back stronger next season, even if he, he will be suspended for the very first game of next season and obviously suspended for the first three group games in the Champions League, which is uh, a potentially big issue. Appealing both those decisions, though, by all yeah. accounts. Neymar, I think, wants to play well every game. I don't think it's because he's going to miss the last two games of the season. He wants to be the star of the show every game. His statistics are incredible. In, in, he's played 57 times for Paris Saint-Germain. He's scored 50 goals and supplied 28 assists. So the problem is not his performances with Paris Saint-Germain. The problem now, he's broken his foot twice. Yeah. And that means he's only played 57 of 108 matches since he's been and at I the club. And I thought the Angers coach, Stefan Moulin, came out and, and, and said he just doesn't understand why people are constantly trying to criticise well, him, why, why, why fans are booing him. This is the sort of player we want in our league. But that's, that's a, the history of football as well, is that everyone hates the, the biggest star and wants to knock yeah. him down and everyone wants the underdog to win. And that's why everyone likes Strasbourg when they, when they get stuck into Paris Saint-Germain. Look, that's football. Neymar accepts that as well, I'm sure. I think this bizarre end of the season for Paris Saint-Germain is epitom epitomised by the fact that Neymar scores a header and so does Angel Di Maria in the same game. Two headers from guys that barely know how to use anything other than their right foot or their left foot, for, <laughs> for respectively, for the two of them. 
It's 100 goals this season as well. It's only the second time that Paris Saint-Germain have scored 100 goals after 36 matches. All this doom and gloom about this season is, again, put in some perspective by the statistics. If you just take a step back and look at the facts, it hasn't been the worst season in the history of all humanity for Paris Saint-Germain. But, it's been a very good season. But, Robbie, bringing back some, some doom and gloom, we had Thomas Tuchel after the game, again, making a comment that surprised a few people because we've seen Gianluigi Buffon and Alphonse Ariola sharing the, uh, the goalkeeping duties. And it's almost like PSG have gone out of their way to, to tell everybody that this is a great situation, that the two goalkeepers are, are really helping one another. And actually, Thomas Tuchel came out and it said... Before, it was in the press conference. It was in the press before conference the, before, sorry. Oh, and said, listen, um, what are we doing? No other club in Europe operates like this, having two top goalkeepers sharing the jersey. We're going to have to change this. Is that, Julian, is that another sign that Thomas Tuchel is, is unhappy at the way this club is being run? Maybe not the whole club, but the way some things are, are rolling right now. But you can understand the fact that they want to choose someone because even if you say that they split the role, you can't really split because when you play the Champions League last round, you have to choose one and the other one. If, even if he plays the French Cup final or the French League games, he won't be happy. And uh, the strange thing with this situation is to be honest, I don't really understand why they chose Buffon instead of terms of image and so on. If they chose Buffon last summer, they have to get they had to get rid of Areola because you can't tell that a, a, a goalkeeper will learn from him when he's 25 and when he just won the World Cup. But Buffon is 41. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. You have to make a choice. You're steady, Andy. 41. For a footballer. Yeah, a a <laughs> for a footballer, yeah. For a footballer. But, you know, you had Louis Kembeso playing at the weekend in front of him, who's 17. Yeah. Gianluigi Buffon is 41. And by the way, he made two brilliant saves in the first half when it was still nil-nil. But it was against Angers. That's not against when the, you no, expect from of course, of course, of yeah. course. And the problem is that when you change goalkeepers, like he did in the Champions League, when you play one and he makes a mistake, like Buffon did against Manchester United in that crucial game, you made to look a little bit foolish. But also before the game at the weekend, he was complaining about changing goalkeepers. And then what did he do? I, yeah. He changed the goalkeeper. Can I just say from, <laughs> from personal experience, um, I, was, I was recently back home in England and I had to sit out a Bourgeois podcast. And like, you know, I, I wanted Dave Crossan to do well as, as, as the presenter. But I was back home listening and he was funny and he was smooth and this. And I ended up throwing my phone um, into the bushes and... <laughs> And, and my wife had to calm me down and say, don't worry, Matt, you'll be back next week. And, you know, I, officially I'm behind Dave, but it's, no, it's, it's, it's hard. And I just want to say regarding <laughs> goalkeepers, because, you know, we'll get off my life um, and back to goalkeepers. PSG, I think there is a clear correlation between the two cases here, Matt. I think that's very valid. <laughs> the point you've just made is well, very valid. I'm 41, like Buffon. Um, Dave is 17. I think on a human, I, I think on a human level... 25. I think Alphonse Ariola can learn from, from Gianluigi Buffon, but not necessarily in, in this situation. I think if you'd said Alphonse is the number one, Gigi will play the domestic cup competitions. He's suspended for the first three matches of the Champions League. Anyway, Alphonse is number one. Gigi is in the dressing room. He's there. He will play. If anything comes up, he will train. He will, he will do all of this. That is a way it could have worked. Absolutely. It could have worked. But... He, he could learn from Gigi Buffon as he could learn from Loris during the World Cup as well. But you can learn more when you play against Manchester United in the last 16. So I think you have to trust someone. And in this season, no one really believes that they trust in Areola. So for him, 
they have to make a choice think, and yeah. to say well, if you if he has career to... for him hasn't it i mean so, with loan deals at Lens, at bastia Villarreal, comes back kevin trap he, he almost had a, a sharing yeah role already with kevin trap in the mm -hmm. first season of, of unai emery as well at paris it so if you have to trust been... him trust him mm. if not leave him and let him go he was he only had one year of contract last season when he renewed it so they, if they renewed it, I, I, uh, I don't understand why they didn't trust and him completely. Talk, and all the talk now is that Paris will let perhaps Buffon go and they need to bring in another top quality goalkeeper. I was just well. going to say, I know we season, can't talk about but... this all day, but I do think that actually if you're going to have a hierarchy in the goalkeeping positions, in a way it makes sense that you keep Ariola and Buffon and you make Buffon the, the number two who only plays occasionally because he will be 42 in the second half of next season. So to get rid of him and bring someone else in... You've got a real issue with age. I am ageist, yeah, massively. I mean, I'm 35 myself. I mean, you know... You could still be a top goalkeeper in Scotland, I would say. But just going on what you said, Julian, I think Ariola has learned from Loris. I mean, if you look at the number of balls he's let through his hands this season, he's clearly... Sorry, sorry, that was harsh. I know Hugo, he's doing better. He's in the Champions League final. Um, he's doing very well. But looking at PSG's team, they've got better players than the rest of Ligue 1 in every position, I would say, apart from goalkeeper. And that's a debate, of course. You, you, we, we could debate it. But there On are some positions you can debate. Yeah, well. you can debate. But I think in goal, because I want to talk about the goalkeepers, because we've seen some top goalkeepers this season. We've seen Benjamin Leconte, Anthony Lopez, I think, has had a great season with uh, uh, Lyon. Um, we've got a goalkeeper that we're going to hear from in uh, in a moment, Matt Sells, who's done who's done brilliantly at, at Strasbourg. A young goalkeeper at Nîmes, Paul Bernardoni, who looks to have have a big future. Just very quickly, Julian, the, the health of uh, goalkeepers in Ligue 1 is, is is good at the moment, no? It's quite better. We had, I think, very good goalkeepers during the 90s in the French league. Then we had a really like a big hole with some generations that were quite poor, and now. You forgot about Mike Mignon, who was raised in PSG. And I think he, he, for me, he has been maybe the best goalkeeper this season in the French League. Well, we're going to hear from uh, Matt Sels now. Our producer, Ian Holyman, managed to, uh, to speak to the Strasbourg goalkeeper. And he's been superb. Strasbourg, um, it's only their second season back in the top flight after a long absence. They've won the Coupe de la Ligue, so they're going to be in Europe next season. They're, they're safe in mid-table. And the, uh, the Belgian goalkeeper, Matt Sels, who uh, struggled during his time at, at Newcastle, didn't get too many opportunities at, at Newcastle, but he's clearly a very good goalkeeper and he, has, uh, and he has proved that so far this season with Strasbourg. Maybe for me it was difficult, uh, the adaptation. Also the first time abroad uh, was the first time in, uh, in another country, uh, other mentality, I don't know, other habits. So maybe that's why it was really difficult in the beginning. And okay, uh, Newcastle took me also as a, as a number one. So I, I needed to be ready immediately. And maybe that was the thing. I was maybe, uh, I was not, yeah, maybe not ready uh, immediately mm -hmm. uh, from the beginning because I needed uh, some, some, yeah, some, some few months more to, to adapt. But okay, like I said, uh, is the past. And, and now I try to look forward. And, uh, and and try to work hard and okay, maybe in the in the in the future maybe I, I get another opportunity to, to show the people that that was uh, yeah was uh, was unlucky for me and uh, I hope uh, I hope I can show them that that uh, yeah that I was uh, a good signing for them. 
Yes, Matt Sells has had a superb season with uh, Strasbourg, and you can listen to the whole interview on the uh, on the Le Bourgeois page. Um, do check us out on all the platforms, Ligue 1 Podcast or Le Bourgeois. Both searches will will bring up our pod. We're on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, I think everything uh, pretty much. And you can contact us. Uh, we had a, a lovely message from Gisline Strasbourg, who was reacting to, to my coup de girl uh, last week when I, I, I said that the French um, always play themselves down and say we're not a, a football country on a bon pays de foot. And Gisline suggested that France aren't a pays de foot compared to other big nations, but also agreed with, with our points that football is a, is a massive uh, sport and a, a massive passion for, for so many people in France. It's, it's an interesting topic. We're not going to go back in there, but thank you, Gisline. Anybody else who wants to ask a question or spark some discussion, uh, send us an email, podcast at gmail.com. That's L-I-G-U-E-1 podcast at gmail.com. And do rate our podcast. We're going to delve into relegation matters now. Um, Julien was commentating for BN Sports, the uh, the big Brittany derby between Rennes and Gangon. Robbie was commentating for the rest of the world. And here is what happened. Now the cross in. And the shot saved by Kubek and the follow-up. And Mendy has his first goal of the season for Gangol. And they are back in it. They don't come much more important than this. He's a young man with a famous dad and broad shoulders. Marcus Turam. Saved by Kubek. And he headers the follow-up wide. So incredible drama at the bottom this weekend. Two huge victories. Caen uh, winning 3-2 against Reims. Dijon beating Strasbourg 2-1. So they're putting the pressure on, trying to climb out of the bottom three. Monaco lost uh, 1-0 uh, away to Nîmes. It's now just one win in 10 for Jardim's side. They're level on points with Caen. Caen are currently in 18th position. Um, Monaco in 17th position. They have a slightly better goal difference but um, yeah 18th place is a, is a playoff just to remind people the bottom two go down Dijon second from bottom Gangon are now down but it was heartbreaking wasn't it Robbie for 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 Gangon because they came back against Rennes equalized um, with four minutes left and then got that penalty at the end and poor old Marcus Turam saw his spot kick saved absolutely it was it was an incredible scenario with 10 minutes to go the Rennes fans started singing Gangon in the second division, Gangon en Ligue 2, Gangon en Ligue 2. And I just thought at the time, well, you know, there's still maybe something can happen. It did look, it did look not good for Gangon. But then the red card, the goal back, things started to change. It would only have been a stay of execution, I think. Gangon are the worst team in Ligue 1 this season. So look, the, the dream ends in week 36 instead of week 37. They have the worst attack. Marcus Turam is their top scorer with only eight goals, four of them were penalties anyway. Four goals from open play for your top scorer in the division. They'd only scored before, yes, well, they've scored 25 in 36 matches now. They've conceded 10 goals more than any other side in the competition. Why have, why they, have, why, why have Nolan Rue and Ronnie Rodelan not been, not been chipping in more with goals? Well, Ronnie Rodelan's been out for, yeah. with niggling injuries most of the campaign. He's come back every now and again. It's a fair question because I think he is a very talented footballer who's probably never lived up to, to, to what his talent could have given to this side. Um, look, Nolan Rue is a, probably not in the same bracket, I don't think, as Ronnie Rodelan, but last season we saw him with Mets score 
score plenty of goals. And still finishing finish, uh, finish 20th. Two yes, seasons exactly. in a row for him. Well, so, Quite so. harsh. But it's a bit <laughs> harsh on Marcus Turan because he is a very good player. I know he's he not been brilliant all season long, but intermittently he's been Gangon's best player this season. He's for played him out to, wide quite a lot. Yeah, and for him, for him to, for that moment to be but the one that relegates them is I think he's probably better out wide harsh. at the moment than, than through the middle. He was through the middle last night and we didn't see him that much. I think his first real chance of the match was from the penalty. And that, that's maybe not good for it. He did move out wide in the last few stages when, when Nolan Rue came through the middle and Alexander Mendy mm-hmm. as well came on. But it's been a difficult season for Gangon. They changed coach as well. They brought in a lot of new players. Then they changed coach. Gorbanek comes in, doesn't play half the new players, brings in other players. You know, for a moment, you had that little bounce back under Gorbanek where you thought, oh, Gangon maybe will, will return to the side that, that we know. They were in the final Perhaps the final didn't play into their favour either. It was probably the worst thing that could have happened to them. I, I talked to members of the staff yesterday mm. and they told me it was really the turning point yeah. for them because they, they could follow the, um, the good wave. If you say, yeah. if you, I don't know if you say that in English, but you have They were riding a wave yeah, of they were, Yeah, exactly. The and yeah. then they lost in, in the penalties mm. this terrible, terrible final penal- against terrible Strasbourg. As well. And after that, they, they said... They haven't won since. They, they mm. didn't lose their group, but... In some way, they knew that after that, it was really hard to yeah. to find a, another another blow, which is quite hard because you said they were the the worst team this season, which is true. But if you talk about individuals, I think they, if you if you rate the teams, I would rate them maybe 14th or 15th. There in are, terms of their squad, in terms of their, their squad and squad. the mm. individual qualities, yeah. they are that- better than they that than they are now. Without being patronising towards Gangon because they come from a very small town and so on and you might not expect them to be in Ligue 1. They've had six seasons, which is their longest ever time in the top flight. In that time, they won the, the Coupe de France. Mm-hmm. They got to the knockout rounds of the Europa League. They got to another cup final this season. It's been a, a good run yeah. for them. But I thought it was interesting what, what, what you say because they do have quality, Julien. Yeah. And the Vultures are going to be circling now. I think Churam, perhaps Ludovic Blas as well. Yeah. There'll be players that Ligue 1 clubs are, are looking for. Um, what, what, what do you think about those two in particular, Blas and, and, and Churam? Where, what would be good for them? And are there other players that you think will be on their way? The problem for Guingamp is that they have quite young players that will want to leave, just as you said. And Blas, with his left foot, can be interesting for, I think, quite good teams, top 10 teams for sure. I think if you are Saint-Étienne or Rennes, you could bet on him. Marcus Turam could uh, hope to have a, even a, a better club coming would it, would it be better for Turan to go to Lyon or Marseille than to go to Everton? If I, w- if I was him, if Everton would call me, I would go to, to Everton, of course, because if you're in Lyon, you're not sure that you will play in that position. And if you go to Marseille, you know that the season could be quite hard as well. going to Marseille. So, have, you, have you been to Liverpool before? <laughs> yes, I like Steady. the city quite, quite well. <laughs> but, uh, no, and, I'd go uh, and, to Marseille personally. And that's one, one point. And the other point is that some other players are, are quite old and are near the end. If you talk about Dido, who said he will quit football. Yeah, Lucas Do, who's getting not that old, but you can feel Kerbrat, that it's... Sorbonne. Yeah, there are Sorbon and Kerbrat, players like that, that you don't know if they will be able to to stay at the level that is needed to go back to the Ligue 1. So it will be quite interesting to see how the transfer window will happen for, for Guingamp this summer. The good thing for them is that they know they have a coach that knows how to go back because 
He you have to remember out. that mm. Gourvenec was there before and he took them from the third division to Ligue 1 and he's the coach who won the French Cup with, uh, with Guingamp. So he knows how to do, but now they have to make difficult choices and to invest in a good way the money they will get from Blas, maybe from Coco or Icoco, Rebocho and from, uh, from Turam. For me, the story of the season, if Monaco go down, would be that. Because, you know, not only they were champions two years ago, but they've recouped 400, 500 million euros on players. How is it possible to get relegated, to, to, to deteriorate so quickly? Yet yeah, Monaco have lost 1-0 to Nîmes. I mentioned their, their level on points with Caen, uh, Caen in 18th position. They're only two points above uh, Dijon. Both Dijon and Caen are winning football matches at the moment. Um, if you're Monaco... It, if you're Ribolovlev, if you're the Monaco, we saw the Monaco fans absolutely furious. I mean, this situation is uh, is astonishing, Andy. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's funny because when they won at Lille in mid-March, we thought that's it, they're safe, which was a brilliant result. As it happens, that's the only game they've won since the start of March. And even when they drew at Rennes uh, about 10 days ago, two weeks ago, when they came from 2-0 down with Falcao scoring twice in the second half, I thought that day, I thought they showed great fight. I thought that's surely them now. They're going to come through this. And then against Saint-Étienne last weekend, it was a very poor performance again. Now, this happens at the weekend against Nîmes. And we keep thinking, no, they're not going to go down. But the reality is that they really could go down. And if they end up in a relegation playoff, I kind of fear for them. And Leonardo Jardim said it himself at the weekend that maybe we don't have the players with the mentality for a relegation dogfight. And that's clearly the case. Robbie, I've got a question from Arman Khan on, on Twitter who says... How are Monaco going to survive? What do they have to do? I mean, well, they have to beat Amiens next weekend. <laughs> exactly, they're <laughs> home, <laughs> home, to, home to Amiens, and then Amiens, away, Amiens and then away could to still Nice. Still be in a little bit of trouble. Yes, yeah. I haven't yes, mentioned. Monaco have it's next week if they can if they can get a win over Amiens. But Amiens, I think it's uh, Gangon, their last match yeah. in week home. thirty-eight as well. So Gangon are down. They probably won't have that much to play for, or the, even the idea of you know really trying to take Amiens down with them. Amiens are not in the clear from this. The fact that Caen have found such good form, uh, have quality players as well, have great fans, have a great stadium with, with a great atmosphere. I would put my money on Monaco and Caen. Perhaps Amiens is a little bit of an outside call. Yeah. Uh, Amiens were uh, Amiens uh, home to trouble. Toulouse at the weekend. It was nil-nil and it, it was a dreadful nil-nil. And, you, and, and you know, Amiens didn't look like a team that were giving absolutely everything to stay up. They've got... Well, they're, they're nervous, aren't they? They've they're got 30, to 35 the points, Amiens. So they're two points above uh, Monaco and Caen. What a huge game. Um, Monaco at home against Amiens next weekend. Who would have believed that uh, at the end, <laughs> at the start of the season? Mm. If you heard about this, you could have thought about the relegation battle for Amiens, of course. But for Monaco, you could have believed that it would be for uh, Europe. So, yes, it will be a, a thriller for, uh, for the French League. An unexpected thriller, I think, in Louis II. Absolutely. Uh, we are, we're running out of time, as is uh, often the case. So much to talk about still. The main issues that have to be decided, I think, uh, who's going to finish fourth now in terms of uh, the Europa League, Saint-Étienne favourites, but Montpellier um, with their win away to Saint-Étienne and now in with a chance. And then, of course, who is going to go down with, with Gangon? Um, we're going to have a, a special show for you um, after the end of the season uh, on, the, on the awards. And we'd love to to hear your thoughts, league um, podcast at gmail.com. Um, let me tell you who the UNFB, the Players Union, have uh, put up for awards. For the Best Player Award, Hatem Ben Arfa, 
Ankel Di Maria, Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, Nicola Pepe. Julien, do you uh, have uh, a preference out of those five? Uh, I think they're, well, they're, it will be Mbappe, I believe, but the fight would, would be between Mbappe and uh, Pepe, obviously. And I think there may be some, I, I would say, two players missing in this list and two players that could have been out of it. And I think Savagné yeah. deserved really to be in, in that, uh, in that uh, list. And maybe Thiago Mendes from, uh, from Lille. The problem for them is that you can't see them on the chart of the top mm. scorers. But in terms of best players, I think those two could well, have been there. You also talk about influence they've had on their teams, don't yeah. you? And the success of exactly. the team. And Thiago Mendes has been, compared to the Thiago Mendes of last season as well, yeah. incredible turnaround. Yeah. Not only in a collective performance for Lille, but as an individual performance as well. He's been a, a different player this season. And Teji Savigny, well, he's is top of the assist chart, exactly. which is incredible, and has been one of the key members of that side because he's the heart and soul of that Nimes. I still don't understand why Hatem Ben Arfa's on the list. Me neither. I just well, can't, I just it's can't the players it. that vote. It's I know. And I, think, yeah. I think that I think that, that, that Neymar. You could also say why is he on the list because he's but only played the players seventeen who games. Vote for the best but it, player but the play, game yeah. on Saturday kind of shows why because when he's on the field, he is brilliant, and obviously the players take that. And into the players account. know. Mbappe the play- will win it. Seriously, they know. I was watching a program. I was watching a program with the Saint-Étienne players basically discussing stuff between themselves and they talked about Neymar and they're, you know, they're, they're in awe of him almost. And, and Roman Amuma was, was, was joking about like, it's almost one of the best moments of his season when he got nutmegged by <laughs> Neymar and turned around and had a big smile to the camera because it was like, you know, we're, we're, we're not out there. And yes, Teji Savagné has been superb, I think. And if you're talking about consistency, him and Mendes are, uh, are above Hatem Ben Arfa, but... You know, this no, guy has an impact. They're voting for the story. Ben Arfa, after the season exactly. he had after, in PSG last season, yeah. yeah, he didn't play all season long. He's a name in French in French football. He and won the he won the French Cup. As well. And I, I I agree yeah. with you, but I can understand why he was elected in in, in the top five. Okay, Robbie, I want a one-word answer. Best goalkeeper. Uh, these are the five that have been nominated: Ariola, Lecomte of uh, Montpellier. Anthony Lopez of Lyon, Mike Mignon of Lille, or Edouard Mendy of Reims. I would go Mike That's, uh, Mignon. One word. One word. One word. Mignon. Is that all right? That's fine. Julian has already said think, he thinks Mignon. I also think Anthony Lopez. It's time for him to leave Lyon because I think he is a very talented goalkeeper. Been linked with Porter, who needs to take the next step up. And if he leaves Lyon, uh, on a personal level, to test himself in a new club environment as well. We know that he's Lyon through and through. He was. He was in a member of the Bad Gones be- yeah. before on the terraces. Look, sometimes for a player, when you have a, a talent like he does, because I think he's a very talented goalkeeper, he should go and try himself elsewhere. Would you like him himself. at PSG? Not at PSG, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. If he leaves, he, have, he has to leave for a better club, a club that can win more trophies. And I'm not sure he could find that... Porto, somewhere else Porto but is that a step up from Lyon that's, a, that's another that's debate that's a question yeah. Andy one, one word answer please Bubaka, uh, best young player this season Bubakar Kamara Usamawa Jonathan Ikone Ismail Assar or Kylian Mbappe now I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take Mbappe out let's say he's won the, the, the player of the year um, yeah, it would four. be Mbappe I mean maybe Ismail Assar but, but, but then again Ismail Assar's league form has not been necessarily that brilliant because he hadn't scored a goal in the league for about four months until last weekend but he was very impressive in, in their European run so Ismail Assar Andy another one who doesn't understand one word answer 
Andy Scott, um, sorry, Julien Brun. One word, un mot, s'il te plaît. Christophe Galtier, best coach, by the way. Christophe Galtier, Bruno Genesio, David Guillon, Thierry Lauré, or Thomas Tuchel. Christophe Galtier, two words. Two words, that, that's still pretty good, pretty concise. <laughs> Christophe Galtier, and I don't think too many would argue with that. We're almost up, guys, but um, just a quick reminder that uh, you can rate us um, on, on the different platforms. You can also email in and we'd love to hear your thoughts about the end of season awards. If maybe there are some players we've, we've missed out, um, do email us leagueandpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and now it's time for our lovely little travel segment. We're going to look ahead to, to next weekend and we're going to hear um, about uh, some nice trips that, that lie ahead. So it is our Bon Voyage segment and I'm going to throw this to Julian Brown because he is, uh, unfortunately, he's going to have to go to Wembley apparently to the, to the FA Cup final. But if you didn't have to go to commentate on the FA Cup final, Julian, where, where would you like to go in France this weekend? Not only for the weather, but I would go to Monaco, obviously, to see the monaco Amiens game. But unfortunately, I have to go to London. Sorry. The weather might be good in, in, in London as well. Robbie, you're not allowed to go to the Parc des Princes. You always go to the Parc des Princes. PSG playing Dijon. That's actually quite a big one, isn't it? That, that is a very good game because we get to celebrate the Ligue 1 title, which I think has not been done enough and isn't done on a regular basis enough in this country. There, the, the trophy will be presented to the players. They'll all go up and they'll, they'll in front of their supporters, a full house at the Parc des Princes. And I think we have to try and get this positive feel good feel back around winning the league and trophy and, so yeah. the hexagonal as it will be as it is known the, and the, there's a small matter of dijon desperately needing points as well and 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 they'll give everything absolutely of so course, it will be to uh, make it a, it flat will be a good game <laughs> andy uh, Lyon for me because uh, Lyon still have to clinch a top three finish they're playing a con team who are looking to avoid relegation i'll be getting there in time to watch the women's champions league final which has been played just before it Obviously, Lyon have the chance to win that trophy yet again. They're the holders. They're playing Barcelona in Budapest. So it could be a, a very good night indeed for Lyon, uh, for the men's and women's teams. All right, I'm going to go to Toulouse um, to see Marseille just because I'm, I'm really hungry. And I think, that's, I think that's the place to go to eat. Well, Lyon's pretty good for food as well. Lyon's good food, but I'm, uh, the southwest <laughs> for me, for the cassoulet. And, the, and I know it's more of a winter dish, but I don't know. I, I, a weekend at Toulouse for me. <laughs> Always think with your, with, with your stomach. That, that's it, guys. That's it for Le Bourgeois. Julien, you've got through. You were saying 45 minutes. Do we have to talk for that long? I think we've talked <laughs> for, for even longer than that. But thank you, Julien. Merci. My pleasure. We'll see you again soon, hopefully. And uh, Robbie, thank you. Andy, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you, everyone. And a big merci as well to our producer, Ian Holyman. Don't forget, you can listen to his interview in full with Matt Sells on Le Bourgeois' homepage. Uh, we'll see you again next week. All the best. Bye-bye.